0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: You're locked into Inception Radio Network, Superior, Wisconsin. From
3: aliens to ghosts. Demons to angels. From shadow people to the outlandish. Heidi Hollis is the outlander, outlander, outlander.
1: Welcome, welcome to my awesome Friday evening. (laughs) You are listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is going to be fun as always. I I think we have fun here anyways. So, anyways, I have to tell those of you who do not know what this show is about. This show is about bringing outlandish and interesting topics to the forefront. From (laughs) aliens, angels, ghosts, demons, holy encounters, shadow people, to Bigfoot, too. The outlandish. I always say, if it's weird, we're here, and now you are too, so you disliked just me. <laughs> if you don't know who I am when it comes to the outlandish, I'm someone who has been there, seen that, experienced it, freaked out, found some answers, wrote about it, got over it, and now I'm hoping to help others do the same darn thing and understand this crazy world of ours, because it is, it's getting crazier and crazier. If you want to, I'll give you the option. Go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com just sound it out i'll hold on H e am not gonna spell that never mind uh, if you go there you'll find some things about me that my parents don't even know but they're very proud of me i swear um <laughs> <laughs> you know you guys listen to this show through a lot of different ways i mean you guys hear it on the commercials i mean you could just dial a number that's how my parents listen to the phone uh through the phone they just Dial 401-283-6700, and you can hear the entire network. It's pretty awesome. And I welcome you guys to call into the show while we're going at 1-888-919-2355, or go to Skype and find Inception Radio Network, and just send your questions and comments there. And we are also live in the chat room. There's a lot of cool people in there, always having a good old time. I'll be there in a second, and I will take your questions just make it all caps so I could pay attention and uh, ask the folks that come on this show today. So, now, I have to tell you guys, it's cold in Chicago. <laughs> it's freezing here. I don't know how it is where everybody else is, but holy cannoli, I am freezing. I am really freezing. I don't know. I'm trying to warm up. I just came through some crazy traffic and somehow have managed to land safely here <laughs> once again. But, uh, you know, I have... Some fantastic guests. I'm so excited for tonight. I am going to get right to, I'm going to forego the outlandish corner where I take your questions and experiences and all that good stuff. But I still welcome you to write me at outlander at gmail.com. And I get to everybody's emails and I will eventually read them off and try to give you some level-headed advice without being a psychic or a guru. Just a very odd woman. Um. <laughs> so I am going to begin now. You guys, okay, I got goosebumps. Okay, I'm going to start with Kathleen Martin. Oh, my goodness. She is a leading UFO researcher, author, lecturer. If you don't know who she is, what's wrong with you? <laughs> her <laughs> educational background as social sciences has shaped her interest in scientific ufology. She has lectured every place, okay, just a minute. Make- Imagine it she's been there. Um she's been a frequent guest on many shows, including television, and she is associated with the Mutual UFO Network as director of experiencer research. I mean, if you guys missed the last time I spoke to her, oh unbelievable. And she is also associated with the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters as a member of its board of directors and consultant to its research subcommittee. You know, it just goes on and on and on. She has just so many cool things. Oh, okay. I'm going to forego reading all of it because I want her to chat on it. And then we're going to get to nuclear physicist lecture author, (laughs) Stanton T. Friedman, who grew up in Linden, New Jersey. He received so many degrees. I can't count them. From UIC, University of Chicago, holy smokes, I didn't know that. Um, (laughs) He spent 14 years as a nuclear physicist working on a variety of exciting, eventually (laughs) canceled classified programs. Evolving, wow, man, fusion rockets and all, nuclear airplanes, nuclear power plants for space applications. His past employers include GEGM, Trump. Why is Trump on there? I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) TRW Systems. (laughs) (laughs) He's the original civilian investigator of the Roswell incident and has lectured about flying saucers in all, count them, 50 states, 10 Canadian provinces, 19 other countries. And he has authored so many books, it's ridiculous. So, everybody, round of applause for Kathleen Martin and Stan Friedman. <laughs> oh, they're going mental? They are going mental. Oh, my God. You have no idea. I'm so excited. be talking to you, too. <laughs> How are you both doing this evening?
4: Doing well. Very well.
1: <laughs> I rolled out the purple carpet and everything for you guys. I hope you like it.
4: <laughs> oh, yes. It was great.
3: I'm really appreciated. <laughs>
4: and, it- <laughs> oh, and it was a Beautiful day here in Florida. Nice oh, and warm.
3: Just <laughs> rub
1: it and. Yes.
4: <laughs> We Floridians can do that in the winter. Oh,
1: <laughs> that really hurt. It is like sub-zero here. I know you're freezing, Stanton. Are you up in, up there at home right now, Canada?
3: I'm in Fredericton, New Brunswick, east of Maine. And, yes, oh. it's, uh, it's down in the teens uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, sometimes it gets cold here. It gets... The coldest it's been has been minus 40. Oh, Uh, that's when your nose
1: hairs freeze together and it feels like you've got caps on them. People have been in (laughs) this kind of weather knows what I'm talking about. It's like nose hairs freeze. I'm like, yes, they do. (laughs) My goodness. So, you two, you have put together a couple of books at least together, right? I mean, three. Yes, holy smokes, let's list them.
4: Captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience. I've never
1: heard of it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Never heard of it. Science was wrong and fact, fiction, and flying saucers.
1: And that is the new book
4: that you guys recently put out.
1: Fantastic. And that's what we're going to be really honing in on. So let's dig in, shall we? So, first off, I have got to ask. I mean, I'm like Stanton Friedman, you know, nuclear fit. What? How on earth did you two go? You know what? We could do a book together. What? What made you both sit down and discover that one?
4: Well, it started when I was writing "Captured," and Stanton was the per- person who had, was instrumental. In researching the star map, uh, he is the scientist who vetted or who met Marjorie Fish at the request of Coral Lorenzen from the Aerial Phenomena Research uh, Organization. And uh, he was impressed with Marjorie and he was able to find scientists to vet Marjorie's work. And then he defended her work on the star map that Betty had drawn had sketched as the result of a post-hypnotic suggestion from Dr. Hmm. Benjamin Simon. So uh, I had just about finished writing this book. I had quite a lot done. I'd been working on it for about 14 years at that uh, point in time, I think. Jeez! (laughs) Long time. It took me a long time. I was a slow typist back in those days. (laughs) I (laughs) still (laughs) am. And so... You know, I, I, my background is in social science and sociology and education, and I really didn't want to start at square one and investigate the star map at that point. But here was Stan, who was an expert. He knew Betty and Barney. And so I approached him, and I asked him if he would be willing to join me in writing the book. So uh, it worked out very well for us, uh, and then we went on to uh, decide that we enjoyed working together well enough to write two more books, and why don't you fill in what I missed, Stanton? (laughs)
3: Well, yeah, I had had the chance to meet Betty and Barney a long time ago, uh, and was very impressed with the case, and then talking to Kathy, it was clear she she had all Betty's material, and so, uh, you know, we'd make a good team because we were coming at things from different directions—social sciences and physical sciences. And uh, uh, it turns out we're both Leos. You know, we'll bring in—God <laughs> forbid! <laughs> Just kidding. That's cool.
1: That that makes a difference. I'm noticing. I mean, it really does sometimes.
3: <laughs> yes, and uh, we enjoyed working together. And with science was wrong, we each did. There were 14 chapters. We each did seven. Um, covering each did an entity. In other words, we didn't write she writes one sentence, I write another sentence, nothing like that. Um, And then this last book, Fact, Fiction, and Flying Saucers, which only came out in September, um, we realized because we spent a lot of time working on the others and talking in between and stuff that uh, there was no book that covered the crazy shenanigans of people who you'd thought would have known better, the debunkers, uh, professional ones like Dr. Edward U. Condon and Dr. Donald Menzel and Mr. Philip J. Klass. And we know that it wasn't because of a duty to truth. There was a lot of finagling going on. And so uh, this last book is really the first book, I think, that gets into all the What's with the nasty, noisy, negativist, if I can put it that way? I like alliteration, as you can tell. Ancient academics, fossilized physicists, nasty, noisy, negativists, You know, we like that sort of thing. (laughs) Uh, And so uh, it gave us, because we both like doing archival research, and we we both feel uh, there's a basic rule, have facts in hand before putting computer in gear. And that's a rule that isn't always adhered to in ufology. An awful lot of people doing their research by proclamation instead of by investigation. So we found that our styles were, were compatible, and uh, we were able to share information without, uh, we weren't uh, one-upping each other kind of thing. Uh, and so it, it's been a, a friendly proposition. We've actually given some joint lectures, uh, nice, which is kind of an unusual thing to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I, I just so, I wish that happened more. Actually, that you know, I don't know. I, I just find that there's a lot of static, unnecessary static among researchers, and I just don't get it. I don't understand that at all. So, so I it find is, it's fantastic that you guys work so well together.
4: It has been very nice to work together. I think that even though we disagree on some things, we're sort of like-minded. We think alike in in many ways. So Stanton and- has
1: not learned the first rule that women are always correct
4: apparently <laughs> anyways i understand and in this last book we each contributed to almost every chapter we were became that comfortable in working together that it wasn't like he wrote half and then i wrote the other half we we each contributed to each chapter nearly
1: oh that's cool well that makes sense so it, it kind of it kind of gels, you know, so yes. it's not so yes. abrupt when you go from one area to another. Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. Right. Yeah. You, you know, the, what do you what do you think about those skeptics? I've had a little battle with that <clears throat> class guy, um, <laughs> and where it was just, you know, they like to it, it, these TV shows. They like to surprise you, you know, with um, you know the butt head of the joke to you know come in out of nowhere. It's like, oh, we just like to interview you. Oh, really? And it's like, boom, here's this butthead you know like great great that's wonderful you know um so i understand what what do you think of these these folks i'm sorry to call them buttheads i usually reserve that for really big bad meatheads but um what do you what do you what do you uh i mean what do you think of folks that you know are they on payroll to to talk the way that they do i
3: mean what is this I, i wish we could prove that they were although i did find something very significant um, probably the most surprising thing that i found in all the research I've done and all, I've been to 20 archives, uh, was that Dr. Donald Menzel, who was the loudest uh, debunker in the 50s, Harvard University Professor of Astronomy, uh, chairman of the department for a good chunk of time, I, much to my total shock, because I had one encounter with him and I didn't like him very much at all, um, found believe it or not, that he told Jack Kennedy they knew each other well because Kennedy was on the board of overseers at Harvard and his area of interest was astronomy, so he worked with Menzel, even had breakfast together on occasion. Um, I found a letter. I had to get permission from three different people to look at Menzel's papers at Harvard. Uh, Not something you do casually, in other words, just, can I stop by? (laughs) You know, written uh, approval. Anyway, I found out to my total shock and everybody else's, that Menzel told Kennedy that uh, there's one area where I may be able to be of some assistance to you. This is after the election of 1960. That's with regard to the National Security Agency. I've had a longer continuous association with them, 30 years of anybody in the country. When we are properly cleared to each other, he's telling the president, I can tell you more. So that was a real shocker because... Uh, wow. We did find he did classified work for all kinds of people, and nobody knew about it. Uh, did work for the CIA, uh, you know, a, a remarkable background. And some people might think that would put him off, uh, put me off about it, but quite the reverse. I worked under security for 14 years, so I suddenly developed an appreciation for Menzel leading a double life, <laughs> lying through his teeth over here. <laughs> And doing the hot shot stuff over there. <clears throat> so finding that we were looking for that kind of thing for Condon and Class. Now <clears throat> Class, I, I know that uh, Class was a senior avionics editor for Aviation Week and Space Technology, and I know that uh, well. You're probably aware that there were the Church hearings back in the 70s about press people working with the CIA of all people. Hundreds. Delphic- of them. figure. Oh, my gosh. It was quite a quite a big story at the time, Frank Church, the Senate committee. And so uh, I found out from somebody who also works at Aviation Week and Space Technology that when it turned out that one of their people had an affiliation with the CIA, he was fired. Uh, now, some um, press organizations were perfectly happy to have that going on. I guess you figure that gave them an inside picture, but... Um, so uh, what I'm saying is Class uh, I think, could have protected himself very well uh, so that nobody knew about. If he was working for somebody, we haven't been able to find it out.
5: Hmm. I'm suspicious. He traveled a
3: great deal, and uh, uh, he certainly acted as if he was working for somebody. And he the thing about all three of these guys, they were much too smart. Frankly, uh, both uh, Menzel and uh, Condon were members of the National Academy of Sciences. They were much too smart not to know that they were being deceptive. Mm. Uh, Well, uh, they have extensive backgrounds, and so that was one of the intriguing things here. At, At least with Menzel, I was able to show, much to my surprise and everybody else's, uh, and the people who say, oh, well, that can't be right, Stan, aren't people who've gone to look at his papers at Harvard. I keep telling them, go look, you need to believe me. Uh, so it's it's an unanswered puzzle. Somebody want a good Ph.D. thesis out there. Uh, the why of the debunkers would be an excellent theme, I think. Uh, and sadly, there have been over a dozen Ph.D. theses done about UFOs. Uh, hmm. you never hear about them from the noisy negativists. Don't bother me with the facts. My mind's made up kind of thing. Again, so we're back at Trump.
1: I don't know how we got there.
3: I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 That's messing with you. It's all good. <laughs> how many college presidents uh, in the last day or two uh, have complained Four, to I, Trump?
4: I think it was 48. <laughs> 48 wow. college presidents wrote a letter to Trump uh, to express their disapproval about Trump's foreign policy toward Muslims. Oh, wow. That's amazing.
3: Mm-hmm. Quite impressive. Yes, is. Man, so, much... well, so is his policy amazing, too. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I've got four grandparents who were all immigrants to the United States from Eastern Europe, way back when. I mean, it's over 100 years ago, but still. Yeah. And uh, the Statue of Liberty was a beacon of truth and beauty and all the rest of that stuff america was where anybody if they worked hard could get ahead uh and so uh this whole business about uh you know who's doing what for whom and all that sort of stuff was it's distressing to me um so i you know i realize it's not about ufos but uh
1: Oh no, it's but about it's
3: un- unidentified important. fleeing persons <laughs> <frankly>. <laughs>
1: hey, it's very relevant I mean what's going on I mean yeah I get it it, it it's on everybody's mind. we can't help ourselves <laughs> no. <That's right>. my <laughs> goodness yeah there's
3: there's another part of this too that still bothers me i mean i, I get my read my first book in nineteen fifty eight so I've been at this a long time a book about flying saucers uh didn't give my first lecture until 1967. I'm a shy, retiring kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> if you believe that, <laughs> but uh, now the, the thing is, it, it's hard to sort out this whole business. And I certainly never would have chosen this as my life path. I uh, gave my first lecture in '67, so that's a long time. My goodness. Uh, But I have certainly found it intellectually rewarding. Um, I'm not saying you make a lot of money doing (laughs) that. Lord knows. But uh, the challenge of meeting with so many people, and I really only had 11 hecklers, uh, and two of them were drunk. That's in over (laughs) 700 lectures and you get that many if you talk about sports religion politics etc. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I've been to your lectures I I can understand people being mesmerized I I've, I don't I don't know uh, you've met so many people over the years <laughs> I doubt that you recall but I met you <laughs> I haven't had oh. the chance to meet Kathleen yet yeah it was um at uh, Burlington Wisconsin uh at the very first Burlington conference over there I know Mary quite well Sutherland and Oh yeah. yes Mary Sutherland yes yes, yes, yes. she's okay. awesome
4: yeah yeah okay. I, yeah
1: kathleen, i I swear I'm gonna meet you. I am. well, I
4: hope we do someday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I swear it's gonna happen, but it you know it's it, it's kind of interesting, you know there's there's these certain uh debunkers that 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 we're talking about, and then that just seem to show up you know on every mainstream media out there and uh but yet when it comes down to real people, I mean over all these years and over all these lectures. You've only had a handful. That's, you know, it just kind of lets you know, you know, the real society is is quite open. I mean, is that what you're, oh, you're yes. finding? Okay, and Kathleen oh, no, is, as no well. Right? Of, yes,
3: yes.
4: They're, we,
1: they're we don't get a
3: interested. hard time from many people. Um, you know, uh, less than two hands for me in 700 lectures, so that tells you something. Yeah. and yes. I come on very strong. I am not a, a shrinking violet about how I, where I stand. But I, what I have found is that people recognize, once you start throwing evidence at them, reports I've never heard of, uh, large-scale scientific studies I've never heard about, lies that the Air Force has told them, has told the public, uh, once they see the facts, they have little trouble. Uh, there, there are still some basic questions. Some people can't understand. Well, how can you get here from there? It's too far. It'll take too long. Uh, <laughs> That's a little bit like saying, well, it took Magellan three years to go around the planet you know, back in 1523. Uh, that's how long it takes to go around the planet. Well, the space station does it in 95 minutes. Uh, the key factor is technological progress comes from doing things differently in an unpredictable way. Right. I mean, look, I'm sitting in front of a, a computer here, and I could be in touch with, what, a billion and a half people instantly? Uh that's incredible. If I told my grandparents that, they'd have thought hey, he's gone crazy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is the future.
1: Well, you know, we're going to get to our first break. Um, so we're going to cut on over. And I want people to go to your website, uh, Kathleen, it's kathleen mardencom correct? And then Stanton Treatment.com. You guys go check go. it out. You're listening to me, Heidi Hall's The Outlander, and we will be right back.
2: into Inception Radio Network, Superior, Wisconsin.
1: Hi, this is Heidi Hollis, and I wanted to share with you guys a little bit about myself and my writings because I am a published author. I write on everything from angels to aliens, ghosts, demons, shadow people, I don't know, you name it, I do it. And I would like to invite you to go check out my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com, which shows, oh my goodness, all my books, and I think you guys will dig it. Jesus is No Joke, which is about holy encounters with Jesus, which is actually... Cool different than what you might expect and then my book The Secret War which is based on shadow people and I am also a cartoonist diary blog of the fickle fighters Uh, these are kids cartoons that I do and they are exploring absolutely everything that I write about in my regular books so I invite you please go check out my website HeidiHollis.com check out my books I think you'll dig it it's something different it's something new and uh, I write just as I speak so don't say I didn't warn you
2: Hello Inception Radio Network listeners. Did you miss a show? Well guess what? You can check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube and search Inception Radio Network to listen to the latest archives of all the shows on IRN. Another way to listen to us anywhere, anytime. For IRN, this is MJ. And, oh, yeah, right, right. Remember to subscribe, too. Hit the subscribe button.
0: Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Remember, you can take your Inception Radio shows on the go. Just download the Inception Radio Network app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android smartphones and access live shows past shows guest lineups and much more just visit the itunes store or the google play marketplace and download it today for free
2: are you a fan of inception radio network do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet well if you do head to facebook.com forward slash inception radio network and like the page tell your friends spread the word and keep listening to the best
5: Hello, everyone. Laurie and Fenton here, host of the California MUFON radio show, asking if you'd like special access to exclusive and amazing information about UFOs, the paranormal, and all things unexplained. If you're nodding yes, then join IRN's Insider Club. As an Insider Club member, you'll get an all-access pass to premier Inception Radio Network content for only $4.99 a month. This includes live UFO and paranormal conferences, live streaming UFO sky watches, exclusive IRN radio and TV productions, and of course, Paying Radio with MJ and Ken Storch. So don't wait any longer. Visit InceptionRadioNetwork.com and click on Member Login to join IRN's Insider Club and get your VIP access today.
2: Hello, folks. Heidi Hollis is rocking the airwaves every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern right here on IRN. But if you want to learn more about Heidi, check out her amazing website at www.heidihollis.com. For IRN, this is MJ.
3: From aliens to ghosts,
0: demons to angels, and from shadow people to
3: the outlandish, Heidi Hollis is... The Outland. Outlander, Outlander, Outlander.
1: Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander. Remembering always, if it's weird, we're here. We're giving you advice and insight on outlandish topics. Phone lines are always open. But I realize most of you guys listen to this show through the app. So it's not live to you, but we feel pretty much alive over here. Um, We've got Kathleen Martin and Stan Friedman. I know. I know. I know they're both here. It's so fun. Um, (laughs) So we're speaking on uh, your newest book. Which is uh kind of encompassing everything that kinda goes along with uh flying saucers, UFOs. I, I always liked that term flying saucers more than UFOs. I just it just makes me feel like I'm watching a good juicy sci fi movie. <laughs> I what made it change? I mean I mean I like that term. I just don't understand why, you know, it became this other other title somebody why was that? trying
3: to be respectable but uh for me i'm interested in flying saucers because all flying saucers are ufos but not all ufos are flying saucers all great grandfathers are men but not all men are great grandfathers so
5: whoa <laughs> i, that, that I prefer
3: deep. the uh the designation of flying saucers that's why yeah. we used it in this last book uh Because, you know, what is UFO an unidentified flying object? That doesn't tell me much. Uh, Most UFOs turn out to be IFOs, so I'm still not ahead of the game. You know, identifiable flying objects. So I I prefer flying saucers. That's fun.
1: I love it. You know, I've got to ask you both, because this is... It just seems that, uh, you know, when a person researches something long enough, they somehow become part of the story. Um, It's (laughs) like these beings... Are aware of your work. Have either of you, I mean, Kathleen, I'll let you go first. What Have either of you experienced, you know, like that moment of, I just saw something?
4: <laughs> I think it's looking at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, not in my office.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. No UFOs that kind of said, hey, Kathleen, what's going on?
4: No, and no alien being or UFO has ever sent me the message that they disapproved of what I was doing.
1: Oh, that, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't suspect they would, but it, it just seems <laughs> like I don't know. It just seems like uh, it's kind of common that people start to experience things for themselves or at least get harassed by the government. Something odd.
4: Oh, well, I've had UFO sightings.
1: Oh, cool. So do tell. Yes. Let's hear one.
4: Oh, it was, uh, I wrote about it in Captured, but I didn't identify myself, but it dates back all the way to 1966, uh, when I was in high school. I was a senior in high school that year, and uh, in February of 1966, uh, my family and I saw a UFO fairly close up. My Aunt Betty Hill was there, my mother, my brother, grandmother, family friend, And we were on a lake, Uh, the lake was frozen.
5: You're Paul. I'm the new Sprinter. Ah, uh, Sprint plus. Intern. Yeah, clever, right? I'm going to look f- at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because. They have an all glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to. Uh- going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul.
2: Now at least one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 29, 17 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 29.17 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18 month leases. Early termination results in full balance. due. go stack subject to credit and third activation Restrictions apply
4: near my childhood home, and uh, a craft put on quite a performance for us. It rose vertically, it uh, descended in what was called a falling leaf pattern, where it sort of rocked from side to side as it came down. We saw it at treetop level. Uh, At one point, it uh, shined a light on my mother, and that's when we decided to get out of there, (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow! That's
4: yes, amazing. Uh, yes, it was. It was a pretty close encounter. And then one landed on my grandparents' farm, uh, within 500 feet of my childhood home huh? in April of 1966. My grandmother saw it and it came in in the middle of the night. A family or a family friend who was uh, also a neighbor of ours was returning home from work and he saw it too he was a he was an airline pilot commercial pilot and it left physical trace evidence and oh, wow. yes yeah, so there were things going on uh, aside from my aunt and uncle's ufo abduction betty was Doing uh, experiments with uh, a group of scientists to try to call a craft in to land on my grandparents' farm. And lo and behold, it seems that her experiment worked.
1: (laughs) Just keeping it in the family, huh?
3: Yes.
1: (laughs) Holy smokes. Stanton, what have you uh, personally experienced?
3: Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) I have never never seen a flying saucer. Nobody in my family that I know of has seen one. Uh, So, yeah, I'm a physicist. You look at evidence, you look at data, and you do your best to sort and sift and ask the right questions and all that sort of thing. Uh, And that's where I am. I've been, as I said, I've been to 20 archives, I bring to bear a couple of unusual things. One is I worked under security for 14 years, so it's easy for me to talk about the cosmic water gate. It's easy to demonstrate. Uh, Secondly, I worked on far-out propulsion systems. I was involved in a study of fusion propulsion. Fusion is what all the stars do in the whole darn universe, not just half of them, all of them. So I worked on a study of nuclear fusion for deep space propulsion way back in 1962. I worked on fission nuclear rockets. We tested huh. one quite successfully on the ground in the late 60s. Uh, I worked on nuclear power plants for space, and so uh, I can bring to bear a lot more first-hand involvement with advanced propulsion than the typical academic, because people have the idea that research only gets done in academia. Well, that's not true. And I was working on nuclear airplanes for General Electric in 1958. We spent $100 million that year and employed uh, 3,500 people, of whom 1,100 were engineers and scientists. That was a lot of money and a lot of people for 1958 $100 million in one year, one company working on a far out propulsion system.
5: My we never goodness. did build
3: a flying nuclear powered airplane, we tested all kinds of things and it was moving along but the program finally that's my life story, the program finally got canceled. <laughs>
1: yeah. Goodness. Uh, yeah, that's I'm gonna interesting.
3: have to cancel out of here in less than ten minutes. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's a crying shame. you know what's uh fascinating? My my dad, as he's getting older, he's getting a little bit um how could I say looser in the lips. My dad always <laughs> claimed to just be a uh airplane mechanic Turns out he was a chief engineer for the Air Force, uh, for an entire base. Wow! (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, what, Dad? I'm like, he just smiles. He's like, I want to keep my pension. Okay, Dad. I'm just gonna (laughs) leave it at that. I'm talking about. I just found this out within, you know, a few months (laughs) ago. So. I'm like, yeah, so you're the problem in the family. Why well, I've got so many issues? Okay, anyways. Um,
4: <laughs> but
1: yeah, but it, it, do you find, though, that, um, you know, in all, both of your, and all your research with this stuff, you find that, you know, military families, uh, oftentimes there's like some kind of oddity going on as far as, you know, maybe they experience alien abduction, spotting UFOs. I mean, do you see a connection with that?
3: I don't particularly. Do you, Kathy? Uh, well, there are so is... many sightings uh, everywhere, all kinds of people.
4: That is a question that we asked on uh, the MUFON Experiencer Research Team's Experiencer Questionnaire. And that questionnaire mm. is at MUFON.com. It's right on the home page, the main page. So uh, I would really appreciate it if experiencers would go there. The questionnaire has 118 questions. It doesn't take long to complete it. And one of our questions is... Are you from a military family? And as soon as we have 500 participants, then I will be able to reveal that information.
1: I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and That's off,
4: fantastic. Off the top of my head, I, I have to tell you, I don't remember where we are right now uh, in reference to that statistic. How?
1: Oh, cool cool oh i love it you know uh, i i've got a question for you that uh, somebody's popped up here in the chat room for stanton what is your best guess as to the means of propulsion used by ufo craft since i know you got to go soon well
3: i, I think <laughs> it's a two-part system one between the stars and then once you get in the atmosphere of a planet the circumstances are altogether different and the best analogy i know is the United States Navy and others have built nuclear-powered aircraft carriers, these huge monsters, that can operate for 18 years without refueling. Uh, They carry several dozen airplanes, little guys, that can operate for maybe two hours without refueling. So you you, uh, adopt the propulsion system to the environment. So I think between the stars, fusion is my best bet. Uh, And... We didn't even know there was such a thing as nuclear fusion until 1938. We didn't know there were neutrons until 1932. We we're a primitive society. Our major activity is tribal warfare. You know, right. So uh, fusion is something real. Now, fission works. Now, Los Alamos built the biggest uh, fission uh, rocket. It was uh, less than eight feet in diameter and operated a power level of 4,400 megawatts. Hoover Dam produces 2,000 megawatts. So, this little old uh, nuclear power rocket engine sitting on the ground uh, was grinding out twice the power of Hoover Dam. Uh, And they canceled the program. What do you expect? (laughs) The story of my life. Go figure.
1: (laughs) I hope that they create i mean 18 years i mean i hope they create like a nuclear power cell phone then i'm just kidding that would be awful <laughs> <laughs> the
4: battery never well, talk about guys, radiation at your ear Yeah, <laughs>
3: I, I, I hate to say goodbye but i've got to leave i've got a previous yes. commitment so it's been a pleasure and we'll do it again thank you yes. so much
1: oh i thank you so much i will definitely be in touch thank you so much stanton friedman everybody Fantastic. That was that was a nice treat. Uh, so yes. <laughs> well definitely I'll be bugging him. He doesn't realize he, the can of worms have been open and release.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: My goodness. It's, and I have to so tell can- you yeah.
4: I have to mm-hmm. tell you that Stanton may have seen a flying saucer, but we know that he saw a UFO when oh. the two of us were doing a television program, the White Mountain Abduction uh, television program, uh, with a production company in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And we went out onto uh, a very desolate dirt road, and we climbed up a little hill, and the two of us were going to be doing a an interview up there uh, showing the kind of desolate area that Betty and Barney were in when they were abducted in 1961. And so we, we were all ready to, for the shoot, and the, uh, the production crew said, uh, turn around. And we turned around, and there were strange lights zipping around in the air behind us in the sky. There was <laughs> no sound apparent, and there they were. And so they asked Stanton what it was, and he said, well, I'm not going to say it's a flying saucer. And I, and I said, uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I haven't seen anything fly quite like that. And then uh, we were ready again to do our interview. And the production crew said, okay, we're done. We're packing up and getting out of here. <laughs> wow. I think they were afraid we were going to be abducted. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that story. Wow. It, you know, I... I have had the moment where, you know, I had a really good friend who was super, super, you know, like, I won't believe that there's anything, you know, out there flying around until our government admits to there being something. Mm -hmm. And then there was something on the news that said, oh, they found bacteria on Mars or something. And I'm like, oh, there it is. There's life. And she goes, well, I won't believe until I see it with my own eyes. And (laughs) I am not kidding you. uh, A few months later, a massive light Went over her head with another friend of mine, and it turned off all the light street lights and everything in every building as it passed over. And my other friend's like, Heidi was right. They exist. They exist. And you know what? <laughs> my my skeptic friend goes, I don't believe what I just saw. <laughs> it's like there are some people. No matter what. Well, is. I
4: have to tell you that I have uh, at one point in my life. I had the same kind of mentality, and that was after that UFO landed on my grandparents' farm within 500 feet of my childhood home, all of a sudden, we started to have paranormal phenomena in my house, and uh, light orbs, shooting around, just floating in the air, lighted uh, about the size of baseballs. Uh, things would fly off from shelves. And uh, by then, when that was happening, I was uh, in Beginning college. And so, of course, here I was smarter than the rest of my family because here I was a college freshman and my textbook in psychology said that paranormal phenomena was all psychological and that none of it was real. And so uh, I refused to even examine it at that point, and was thinking that, gee, I think my family is uh, getting too carried away with this kind of thing, they're having these imaginary things happen in their house. And then, uh, the, the summer after my freshman year, my boyfriend came to the house to spend the night. And we were going fishing the following day. My parents had an ocean-faring boat, and we lived close to the ocean in New Hampshire. And so we were preparing to leave early in the morning. He was sleeping in my brother's bedroom. My brother was away in, in the Army at that time. And we were awakened in the middle of the night by his screams, and he went tearing out of the house, running outside, and... So we went after him. What was wrong? Now, he was sleeping in that bed. The coat hangers lifted out of my brother's closet and were hurled across the room and landed on top of him with no explanation for how that had occurred. Wow. That was quite strange. And then years later, uh, this was about 1983, I think, years later. uh We were back, my two children. I was married by that time. My two children and I were back visiting my mother. And I was in my childhood bedroom, and my oldest son, who was five at the time, was in my brother's childhood bedroom when I heard him wreaking havoc in the middle of the night. So I got up and walked into his bedroom. His nightlight had been left on. And there he was running around the room having a great time, making a lot of noise and batting this light orb or attempting to bat this light orb around. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was just so completely st- startled. I scooped (laughs) him up and took him into my room. And then I started thinking of prosaic explanations. And the only thing I could think of was ball lightning or plasma. But then when I researched that, I realized that the weather conditions were not uh, the type of conditions that you had to have in order to have plasma form. And so I I had asked my son the next day what was going on there. And he said, oh, that's the guy who comes to play with me. So he thought he was playing with some guy or kid or something. And oh, wow. Yes. Very, that's very amazing. startling. Yes.
1: I, I, I recall in our, our last conversation when you came on the show, which just, oh, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I tell everybody, listen to this. You know, and and we're discussing you know the alien uh, phenomenon and the relation to paranormal phenomenon, and this is something you realized very early on. I mean, you're you're talking about when was this? This is in the at, this, that
4: this after. was back in well, it happened for the first time with the boyfriend in 1968. Yeah, the summer of 1968, and then with my son, it was 1983. Mm. but i wasn't sure that it was related to that ufo i wo- i wondered if my family had just suddenly had a ghost move in and and my <laughs> my family was be- beginning to wonder that too we hadn't associated it with the ufo that landed in my grandparents farm until more recently when i talked to my two brothers about it and we tried to develop a timeline uh, for when these things occurred. And we realized that they had not occurred prior to that UFO landing. And then in 19, uh, you know, it was 2012, Denise Stoner and I did a commonality study. And one of the questions, this this is a question that Denise uh, brought up and, and put on the questionnaire. She said, uh, have you observed paranormal phenomena in your home? And 88% of the uh, people who participated in that study stated that they had observed paranormal phenomena. And so we asked uh, for them to describe the type of phenomena that they had observed. And they talked about light orbs and poltergeist activity were the most prevalent. But they also had things like doors open and closing uh appliances turning on by themselves and turning off by themselves one talked about a television set that was working even though it was unplugged some very strange things were occurring to some of these uh well 88 percent of these participants who also said that they were experiencers
1: that's you know and and i think that's what is uh Absolutely important for people to know that there's a very uh, interdimensional element to all of this when it comes to so-called UFOs and aliens. It's like, hold on, it's almost as if their presence rips a hole in our in our universe that that they're able to manipulate and get through without us spotting them i I don't understand, gosh I should I ask Stanton. I don't understand you know, what is it that our eyes are 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 not able to. You know, penetrate to, to see what they're seeing. You know, what is what is that coverage on their freaking eyes that they can, they have <laughs> to, you know, these alien beings, they often report, you know, oh, they have a, a film over their eyes and uh, that's that, that's not their real eyes that you're seeing. And I'm like, well, you know, is that a filter? You know, is that, is that you know, some kind of special sunglass? I, I don't know, but it's, I wish
4: I knew what that was or is it a,
1: another sense that we need to develop?
4: Well I don't have the answer to that it would be great if, if if I knew that but but I have begun to wonder more and more particularly as I have investigated cases where there are UFOs sometimes solid and sometimes uh not solid, where they can dive into the ground and simply disappear as if they had never been there. No marks on the ground whatsoever, and where there seemed there seems to be a dimensional veil or a, di- in, a interdimensional porthole portal that is just opening here, maybe from the multiverse or maybe through the use of. Uh, extraterrestrial technology, but these portals seem to open, and there seem to be time shifts taking place. There's, uh, you might see uh, a scene from uh, thousands of years ago. In one case, I had uh, uh, this was a very credible man, uh, a commercial pilot who owned an airport, and he uh, started to see UFOs first. And then he thought, well, he was going to try to call them in and get them to land so that he could sit down and meet with them and find out what they were doing. He uh, built a landing site on the runway uh, with a big X in the middle for for them to land on. You know, It was a big circle. And uh, he actually did get a photograph of one that landed on his property. I'm going to be showing that at... uh, in a couple of weeks at the International UFO Congress Conference in Phoenix, right. near Phoenix. Uh, but he also had uh, what appeared to be time shifts going on on that property, where he would look out, and he had witnesses too, and they would see these uh, you know, prehistoric scenes where there should have been a runway, uh, some very unusual phenomena taking place there. Isn't that interesting? That's
1: after the UFO landed, like it tore a, a, an opening yes. or something. In our, it
4: gosh. seems that way. Um, and I don't know. Are they opening portals using technology? And are these brains or membranes interdimensional? membranes that are uh, come close to this or touch this like bubbles touching each other just allowing these other beings to slip in or these time warps to take place it's i wish at this point i were a theoretical physicist because <laughs> then i would feel really competent Discussing this, but I yeah. am discussing it with theoretical physicists. And uh, I, I find it incredibly fascinating. And you know, Dr. Edgar Mitchell yes. was very interested in this and had developed a theory of the quantum holographic universe, which is pretty similar to, to this kind of thing, this oh, uh, dimensional uh, aspect. Absolutely
1: fascinating. We've got to get to our next break. I want you guys to go to kathleen mardencom Check her out. And uh, you guys are listening to me, Heidi Howes, The Outlander, and we will be right back.
2: Inception Radio Network, Superior, Wisconsin.
1: Hi, this is Heidi Hollis, and I wanted to share with you guys a little bit about myself and my writings because I am a published author. I write on everything from angels to aliens, ghosts, demons, shadow people, I don't know, you name it, I do it. And I would like to invite you to go check out my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com. which shows, oh my goodness, all my books, and I think you guys will dig it. Jesus is No Joke, which is about holy encounters with Jesus, which is actually quite different than what you might expect. And then my book, The Secret War, which is based on shadow people. And I am also a cartoonist, Diary Blog of the Fickle Fighters. Uh, These are kids' cartoons that I do, and they are exploring absolutely everything that I write about in my regular books. So I invite you, please, go check out My website, HeidiHollis.com. Check out my books. I think you'll dig it. It's something different. It's something new. And uh, I write just as I speak. So don't say I didn't warn you.
2: Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. Did you miss a show? Well, guess what? You can check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube and search Inception Radio Network to listen to the latest archives of all the shows on IRN. Another way to listen to us anywhere, anytime. For IRN, this is MJ. And, oh yeah, right, right. Remember to subscribe, too. Hit the subscribe button.
0: Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Remember, you can take your Inception Radio shows on the go, Just download the Inception Radio Network app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android smartphones and access live shows, past shows, guest lineups, and much more. Just visit the iTunes Store or the Google Play Marketplace and download it today for free.
2: Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best.
5: Hello everyone. Lorian Fenton here, host of the California MUFON radio show, asking if you'd like special access to exclusive and amazing information about UFOs, the paranormal, and all things unexplained. If you're nodding yes, then join IRN's Insider Club. As an Insider Club member, you'll get an all-access pass to Premier Inception Radio Network content for only $4.99. The month this includes live ufo and paranormal conferences live streaming ufo sky watches exclusive irn radio and tv productions and of course paying radio with mj and ken storch so don't wait any longer visit inceptionradionetwork.com and click on member login to join irn's insider club and get your vip access today
2: Hello, folks. Heidi Hollis is rocking the airwaves every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern right here on IRN. But if you want to learn more about Heidi, check out her amazing website at www.heidihollis.com. For IRN, this is MJ. From aliens to ghosts,
0: demons to angels, and
3: from shadow people to the outlandish, Heidi Hollis is... The Outlander. Outland. Outland. Outland.
1: Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander, and we have a very special guest, Kathleen Marden, and... Oh my gosh, the information. <laughs> they were just chatting about some it, it, an element that has always made me the most upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. Military abductions. I mean, I, I, first I'll, I'll I'll let you define what exactly that is and why you think people are experiencing such things.
4: Well, From the individuals who I've interviewed who say that they have had these MyLab military abductions, uh, they've always said that there were uh, people in military uniform who were working with a a species of non-humans. Some have said greys. Some have said reptilians, and uh, that is one of the questions that we have asked on the MUFON Experiencer Research Team's Experiencer Survey uh, uh, on MUFON.com, and... Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting the information on that. Uh, There is a small group of people, maybe only 10%, if my memory is correct, who have had these types of abductions, they say. And I was just telling Heidi that uh, I asked, uh, could they identify the uniform uh, that they saw and uh, most could not identify the type of military uniform that they observed. So then that raised a lot of questions in my mind about you know, was this really our military or was this hybrids or was this some other group not of this earth that looked human? I have a lot of questions about that and I don't have the answers
1: Wow. You, you know, it's a topic that has always just befuddled me because I've had at least 3 separate uh, personal my lab experiences and nothing has made me more angry. <laughs> Honestly, it's like for for as far as personal experiences are concerned and uh one of them lasted for months and months and I'm just uh confused because it's like well did they take me out of my time? I, people didn't notice I was gone. I knew I was gone. And uh, it's it's just the strangest thing. I'm like literally thinking. I, I've not been successful or, or ever really, you know, hardcore attempt to be regressed to find out more information. But uh, I'm really thinking about it. Um, I, I personally experienced, uh, you know, massive military abduction and uh, being involved in it. So, yeah, crazy. Have you heard of that where, you know, dozens upon dozens of people at one time being taken?
4: Not in a military abduction, but I haven't looked into that. That's not what I've specialized in, really. I have specialized more
5: in... You're Paul. I'm the new Sprinter. Uh Ah, Sprint plus. Intern. Yeah, clever, right? I'm going <laughs> to look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because. They have an all glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to. I'm going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul.
2: Now at least one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 2917 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 2917 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18-month leases. Early termination results in full balance. due. Excludes tax. subject to credit and third activation restrictions apply.
4: Uh, the greys and what they're doing. And I I find in this field, you can't be a generalist. If you're a generalist, you're not going to learn anything. So I try to focus upon uh, kind of a small area of research and go uh, where my interest carries me with that. Yeah. Wow, it's amazing.
1: You know, I, I, uh, I've i got some questions that are popping up here in the chat room, and they're, I haven't got to. There's so many. Oh, my goodness. So one of them is uh, in regards to your book called Captured. Uh, it's from Carol. She's asking it, that you refer to uh, a sighting by Barney at work that involved up to 25 other employees as fellow witnesses. I mean, what? And she's asking what was the exact... You know, punchline of this event—is there an epiphany to it?
4: (laughs) (laughs) That—that's very interesting. I believe that that occurred when he was working uh, in at the post office in South Boston, Massachusetts. There were a lot of sightings in that time frame, and uh, you know, he was working during the night shift in that time frame. And people apparently from the post office just went out and saw this UFO. That's awesome. I just,
1: you know, I've had, uh, oh, I think three different incidences where, I don't know, I I was just kind of looking for a sign from these UFOs and they actually paid attention. That's that's a very freaky thing to have happen. You're like, okay, I just stepped into the twilight zone. (laughs) What is going on here?
4: (laughs) You know, and maybe Barney was thinking that uh, they were able to find him because, you know, if they hovered overhead where he was working, then it might have been a clue that uh, they had placed an implant in him or they had his, somehow, his vibrational frequency and they could locate him no matter where he was. The tracking devices.
1: Yeah. How disturbing. You know, people have these mind-blowing, life-altering occurrences and they're like whoa, glad that's over only to have the nightmares and the ensuing encounters i mean look at travis walton and uh you know there's a gentleman that was with him uh steve pierce who thought you know he had that one experience and comes to find out oh no he had a lifetime of things have happened to him in regards to you know ufos and, and alien beings i'm like it doesn't end where you think it ends. And it actually crosses over into areas that uh, we chatted on in our last conversation that cross into matters of the soul. I mean, you are the top lady when it comes to pulling together uh, alien abductions worldwide. And you've noticed a change. And I, I know this is something that you're, you're planning to go further into it at some point. I don't know if you started sharing more on on all of that, but The spiritual element, what do you make of that, that these beings are somehow infiltrating and influencing us on a very personal level? My gosh.
4: Yes, and and very spiritual in a sense. Uh, So many reports are coming in of... uh, Information that these extraterrestrials, regardless of what they look like, well, I can't say the reptilians, but uh, the others, are uh, sending to humans either through downloads of information uh, telepathically or through telepathic conversation on a craft. But they are talking about... Mankind's spiritual development, that they are very, very uh, concerned about human behavior. They're afraid that we are going to destroy this planet and everything on it. uh, And they are attempting to raise human consciousness uh, so that we will be more, uh, well, I would say mature and more spiritual and caring toward our Earth and other beings, in order not to destroy ourselves and our planet. So that tends to be a general theme that is occurring very, very often now. I, you know, I'm still hearing about some people who are traumatized and and uh, they feel that they've been taken and and not things that were not particularly good have. Happened to them, but I'm hearing far less of that and more and more about this consciousness raising uh, uh, are, concern.
1: Are they the same uh, beings, though? Are these the still the 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 greys that are saying this?
4: I hear it from greys as well. Yes, uh, a lot of the the um, human looking beings. As well, but also greys. It seems to uh, cross across uh, different types, except for, as I said, not reptilians. I have not heard that coming from reptilians.
1: <laughs> They're kind of a brutal race,
4: aren't they? Uh- <laughs> well, I think that they uh, they have a lower vibrational frequency, uh, which tends to be a little more negative. And if that is true, then I'm not even sure that they are extraterrestrial. They could just be interdimensional beings. And I've talked to a lot of people about this, and I keep hearing that they have not seen these uh, reptilians in association with structured craft. And so I'm wondering if. Uh, maybe they are just interdimensional beings
1: cave dwellers (laughs) (laughs) you know i i I, I don't know i've run into some interesting folks who have been absolutely beaten and molested by these creatures uh, going through generations and it's like what are they i mean it's i don't know very low very low vibration that's for sure
4: yes (laughs) <laughs> you you know, know, are they parasitic entities? Parasitic entities yeah. can follow generations of individuals. True. Uh, you know, just like uh, extraterrestrials, if that's what they are. The greys follow family genetic lines.
1: Right. So yeah, it no, raises many very
4: questions. True. Very true.
1: You know, now this is, this is something that I've heard. And something even from a personal perspective of of experiences, I guess you know that the possibility of the grays and these other beings who are encouraging us to you know after they've victimized, raped, beaten, whatever, experimented on uh, you know these human beings that uh, now they're okay, save the planet, everybody, you know, let's let's all play nice,
4: and people that, that
1: they're that they're preparing us to keep the planet together so they can take it over. What do you think of that?
4: (laughs) (laughs) I think if they wanted to take it over, they could have taken it over a very long time ago. I don't think that 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 is their objective. I uh, do think that, and and I know, that many experiencers who uh, 20 years ago were thinking that they were having these horrible reproductive experiments Ah, uh, taking place that they were terrified that this was horrible. Uh, you get them under hypnosis, and they're saying, "Oh, uh, I'm part of their family. They love me." You know, so you're hearing something different coming from them than what their conscious recall has been in the past or their attitude toward these experiences. Uh, so there's sort of a dichotomy there. This is a horrible thing on one side, but on the other side, uh, it has always been consciousness raising. Or, and it's
1: not or, a Stockholm Syndrome or anything.
4: Well, you know, that raises the question, is it Stockholm Syndrome? Many people believe that it is not Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> they feel very close To these beings and they trust these beings and they have a different perspective on them and what they are. And sometimes they're blaming what they'd read in the past that was written by uh, some individuals who were not experiencers, uh, who formed their own human opinions about what was going on, that maybe Mm -hmm. those people were incorrect. I don't know. It becomes very confusing. But, you know, I... I'm a person who has to look at all of the evidence, and I don't have the answers. Nobody has the answers. Some people think they do, but uh, they don't. I'm convinced <laughs> that they don't.
1: I always say anybody says they have all the answers. Run!
4: <laughs> yeah. It's I just like, say that oh they just have gosh. bigger egos than the rest of us.
1: Oh my gosh, the <laughs> ego that is out there. It's so ridiculous. You know, it, it always blows my mind that uh, you know, people who are not involved in this stuff, like I said, I've been involved in this for over 20 years and it's like it's a passion. It's something that I want to always keep doing to try to open up more eyes and open up more minds. And people are like, Oh, you're just trying to make a buck. I'm like, look, I'm a therapist. Um <laughs> I have a nine to five job. I keep that going. And, uh, you know, this is not the business to be in if you're trying to make a buck. So it's all about passion. And that's what, you know, drives a lot of us. So I, I, it is. I don't know how, um, you know, it, I guess, you know, a lot of people don't understand the concept of working for free because I don't know anybody else who does except for those of us involved in these topics.
4: <laughs> uh, but it is you're driven. Uh, it's a thirst of knowledge and I was an educator. I started out as a social worker, but then I went into education. And I continue in that role as an educator. That when I learn information, I share it with the public. And I'm not getting rich uh, doing this, um, you know, And but that's not what matters. I'm officially retired anyway, and so I don't have to depend upon this to make a living. But it is... It's just a very important topic, as far as I'm concerned. It's doesn't it shattering?
1: Doesn't it feel that way? Like this is like, I mean, this is something I have to do. It, I, I mean, you sound the same. It's like I have to. People need to know this. This is so very important. And you don't know exactly what big revelation will happen. Your happen in your lifetime, but you don't care. You're going to keep going anyways, and hope that you could contribute even an iota of an answer that will help others. You know.
4: And that's why I found the research for Fact, Fiction, and Flying Saucers so interesting and so important. Because in the book, we lay out the history of the debunking movement, the history of the cover-up. And this is not based upon conjecture. We have found the documented evidence. We have followed the document trail through correspondence files uh, in archival collections. And we have linked it, and in our book we have the footnotes, so you know exactly where you can go to if you want to see where that quote came from. And we tell you where it came from, but if you want to see it with your own eyes and get a copy of it, you'll know what our archival collection to go to, uh, to see it for yourself. They, these men, Philip Klass, uh, Edward Condon, uh, Donald Menzel, and uh, some of the, the heads of Project Blue Book were friends. There were many people who had a, were closely connected and worked together on this cover-up. And, you know, you wonder how a journalist such as Philip class he started out as an electrical engineer before he went to work with for Aviation Weekly which then became Aviation Week and Space Technology magazine but how did he get the platform to be the go-to guy for the mainstream media uh, why did he have the voice whenever uh, the media wanted, you know, newspapers, television, radio shows, whenever they wanted the real truth, supposedly from a scientist, they went to Philip Class.
1: I don't and get that.
4: It's just, so silly. <laughs> I, I think I have the answer to that, uh, and I oh. think that tidbit of information came from Edward Condon because when Condon was the head of the, uh, the scientific study on UFOs at the University of Colorado, started in 1966, uh, Philip Class connected with Condon at that point, and uh, also with Robert Lowe, who was the project coordinator. And he and Lowe became very good friends, and Lowe passed his in information onto Edward Condon and then class and Condon became sort of friends too and class was the spy for the uh, con for the Condon committee and he was the one who was uh, reported what these uh, meanies, these opponents, such as Dr. James McDonald, who was not a meanie at all, but was uh, someone who was a highly credible scientist, was the head of a department, co-chair of a department at the University of Arizona. He was a meteorological physicist uh, and uh, had uh, published uh, greatly in his field highly respected but studied UFOs as a scientist and and this is one of the individuals that Edward Condon and Philip Class targeted to bring down and Philip Class was attending McDonald's lectures and tape secretly tape recording them and giving the recordings or information about the recordings to Robert Lowe and Edward Condon. As a payment, I think, for his good service, Edward Condon wrote a letter of recommendation to uh, the president of McGraw-Hill and stated that if they wanted an expert on UFOs for the mainstream media, that they should go to fill up class and not waste their time on people like Professor McDonald. Uh, You know, obviously, McDonald knew a lot more about it than class. But that was class's start, I believe, uh, in his job as the go-to guy for the mainstream media.
1: My goodness. You know, the tangled web of crap out there. (laughs) There's so much. And it's like, you know, hold on. If this is, you know... Uh, you know, silly science that we're looking into. Why was so much effort and coordinated efforts put to, you know, put it all down? And it, it just—I think it gives more credibility, if anything. And uh, you know, I—I I don't know. I have to—I have to bring this to you because uh, in the years that I've been going around the different conferences and chatting to the different people that would that would go to them, the I, I just feel like we would be a lot further along. If more researchers pulled their efforts together, like yourself and Stanton did, I, I just I was really disappointed with the uh, like you you mentioned some the ego that's out there. I don't understand that. I'm like, hold on. this is about, you know, helping mankind out. That's how I see it. this is this is not about gaining a name. This is about gaining knowledge.
4: It is about gaining knowledge. And I don't know. you you find the same thing in the scientific community. Uh, Where somebody wants to take credit for the evidence, uh, whatever that happens to be, and they don't want somebody else to grab it and take credit for it. And that that sort of thing can happen. So maybe that's the reason. In the beginning, Stan and I didn't know each other very well at all, but uh, we grew to trust each other over time. And we've been working together now for my gosh, since two thousand and five, I guess it is, and uh, found out that we trust each other. We can confide in each other. We're not in competition with each other. And uh, you know, it's a good way to work. and, oh, and i'm very I feel blessed to actually. Uh, have this relationship with Stanton because he is a genius. He's, you know, a nuclear physicist. He's a real rocket scientist. <laughs> he
1: is. He is. I love that he is. That's yes. awesome to be able to say. Oh, I love it.
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you, and
1: I have to give you props for, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I tried to speak at some of these conferences, but there there is and was a good old boys club and, you know, just wouldn't give the mic to a lady oftentimes i'm like come on (laughs) you know and you did that though you 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 are the lady you are the go-to woman for a lot of the the mystery behind aliens and uh ufos i mean my goodness i i look up to you so much you have no idea i love your work
4: Well, thank you, and and I have to say it hasn't always been easy, but I did uh, try to open the door for other intelligent women who do their homework, who do their research, uh, to take that platform and and to speak at conferences. And we have several women who are going to be speaking at the MUFON, uh, not the MUFON, at the uh, International UFO Congress conference uh, this month in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, at the Wikopa Power Resort. So uh, it is happening more and more where intelligent women are stepping forward and are taking a role. It's still not easy, but we're doing no. better than we used to do when oh, conference gosh, yeah. after conference was entirely male. A lot of testosterone there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the same speakers over and over, and I'm like, "Come on, please let me." <laughs> you know, I, I it was it was absolutely frustrating. And uh, you know, I I'd watched the the stuff that you are putting out, and uh, it's Linda Motenhau and a few others. You know, I'm like, "This is this can be done. It's just going to take time." And uh, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. It, it, how can people? Uh, what would you recommend to a person who is seeking to get their story to you to help with your research?
4: Um, well, if if they, it depends upon the type of story, <laughs> <Yeah>. actually. If <laughs> if they are experiencers and they want to speak with somebody, uh, I am the director of MUFON's Experiencer Research Team. So I... I cannot talk to everybody. I'm overwhelmed with information (laughs) and email messages, and I I can't even keep up with what I have uh, already on my plate. Um, So they could go to uh, the MUFON Experiencer Questionnaire, not the survey. The questionnaire has has only 30 questions. If they would like to speak with somebody on my team, uh, my team can uh, has a list of hypnotists, hypnotherapists, support groups, uh, and, and FREE does as well, the Foundation for Research and Extraterrestrial nice. Encounters, at experiencer.org. Um, yes, that so one
1: I'm associated look- with. I love that.
4: <laughs> if you're looking for that kind of information, great. If you, uh, my I am researching right now these interdimensional aspects. Um mm-hmm. Where cool. uh, UFO uh, a- abductees, experiencers uh, are having these interdimensional sort of activities going on at the same time, and wow. I'm, you know, just really taking a very good look at that in an attempt to determine what is happening. Gotcha.
1: Well, Kathleen Martin, I have got to thank you so much once again for coming on the program. An absolute blast. I've got to be calling on you again, too. I know you. Oh. Know
4: this. Well, I always <laughs> love to do interviews with you, Heidi. And thanks oh, a lot great. for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, this is too much fun.
1: All right, you guys, we have come to the bottom of another fantastic show. Oh, remember, you catch me here every Friday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Remembering always if it's weird, we're here.
2: Xfinity Mobile is a new kind of network designed to save you money while streaming your favorite music. Like that 90s jams playlist you've played 72 times today. It combines America's largest, most reliable 4G LTE with the most Wi-Fi hotspots. Get up to five lines of unlimited nationwide talk and text included with your Xfinity Internet at no extra cost. All you pay for is data. Visit an Xfinity store or click now to see how much you can save with Xfinity Mobile. Restrictions apply. Requires Xfinity Internet service, equipment, taxes, fees, and other charges extra. Limited to two lines pending Internet activation.